0: Welcome to Digging In with Missouri Farm Bureau. I'm Eric Boll, Director of Public Affairs. We tried something a little bit different this week for our podcast. Just a a little bit ago, we did a Facebook Live where we, uh, BJ Tanksley and I, our Director of State Legislative Programs, uh, we talked through the entire ballot top to bottom and all of the issues and candidates that Missouri Farm Bureau is supporting and why. So we spent quite a bit of time doing that, and would love for you to take a listen and learn more about why Missouri Farm Bureau is supporting those people and initiatives that we are. I will uh, give a little bit of caution, since this was our first time through doing a Facebook Live, and it was live. Uh, We had a little bit of audio trouble at the very beginning that uh, you may have to just um, listen a little bit hard on a couple of those words to make out what we're saying, but it smooths out uh, by about five minutes into it. So... Please do take a listen. If you have any questions about it, please feel free to give us a call and ask us directly. We'd be uh, happy to talk you through any of these issues. But here you go with our very first Facebook Live election update. Hi, we are live here at Missouri Farm Bureau's home office. We're going to be going through a little bit of an election update, an overview of the issues that are coming up on the November ballot. Uh, I'm Eric Boll, the Director of Public Affairs. This is B.J. Tanksley, and he is our Director of State Legislative Programs. Uh, we're gonna wait just a couple seconds to get started here, um, but BJ, uh, are you excited about this election yet? Oh, is there an ex- is there an election coming up? I hadn't really noticed, turning on the TV or anything. So. I
1: don't know about everyone else, but here it seems to be about the only thing we're talking about. Working a lot on it, whether it be national issues ballot issues there's a lot going on keeping us busy
0: for sure so we've Uh, got a lot more coming up uh, in the next couple of weeks we've been working hard on trying to support some candidates and support some of the ballot initiatives that uh, we have been endorsing uh, as Missouri Farm Bureau uh, the trustees of our PAC endorsed a a number of candidates and issues and that's part of what we're going to Walk you through it today.
1: Yeah. So there's a lot of noise out there talking about different sides of different issues, but we'll take some time and kind of dive into how we got to our positions and the position that Farm Bureau will be supporting this November.
0: Um, It's a crowded ballot, so there's a lot to talk about. Yeah. You know, everybody keeps on asking me, oh, well, I didn't even know that that thing was on the ballot. It seems like every other day I hear somebody say that, yeah. and that's, uh, as we'll go through in a minute, there's so many different amendments and propositions and such on the ballot, in addition to all the candidates, um, it's quite a bit to keep track of. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, we are going to go ahead and, uh, and start out getting uh, into the ballot. We I went to the Secretary of State's website this morning and just printed out the ballot so we could go down through it um, item by item in the order that they're on your ballot uh, here in two weeks. So we're going to start at the very top of the ticket with the um, the one that's most well known around the country because our uh, United States Senate seat is uh, up for reelection with Senator McCaskill trying to get a third term, and her opponent is our current Attorney General Josh Hawley. Um, we uh, we've seen so much national attention on this one, yeah. and uh, you know we. As Foreign Bureau, uh, our members took a, a pretty strong stance on this one. Yeah, sure did. You know, every August we
1: get together, or every um, election year August, we get together here at Home Office where we bring both candidates in. We, hear, we were able to hear from both candidates, and they filled out their questionnaires to tell us about the positions they would take on the issues. Luckily, we both... Uh, our members have history with both of these candidates. Mm-hmm. You know, they've supported uh, Attorney General Holly in his first race, running for Attorney General. Um, and they've weighed in on races that Senator McCaskill was involved in as well, as well as working with her as a U.S. Senator. Um, so we were able to have history with both candidates and then had them come in here and visit with our members. It was great to have them following that. Our members did take a vote. Every year, our membership comes in here and votes on these issues. It's not Farm Bureau Home Office; it's actually our members who make those decisions. Um, and they overwhelmingly voted to support um, Attorney General Josh Hawley in this Senate race. You're absolutely right. This uh, this race is getting a lot of attention nationally. You know, there's talk of whether or not this will have a a say in who has the balance of the Senate. Mm-hmm. I think uh, it's pretty much inevitable that it will have some play in it. Yep. Um, you know, recently there's been talk that the uh, balance may not be that much in flux, or there may be more seats that stay uh, red than there was first thought. But um, this one will definitely play a role in who has a balance of power in the U.S. Senate. Um, And we know how vital those roles can be when it comes to um, Supreme Court justices and confirmation hearings and other major decisions. Um, You want to have that power in the Senate because those have such a heavy role when that time
0: comes. Absolutely. And our members did endorse um, Attorney General Hawley with a 93% vote. So that one, um, they they felt very strongly about that. Uh, they, I think, have had a long history with Senator Gaskill, as you mentioned. And as I think a lot of people have seen in some media reports, it hasn't always been a very rosy relationship. Um, she has not always been very welcoming to some of our ideas and um, has taken some strong stances against issues such as WOTUS. Uh, she was in favor of the waters of the United States regulations when President Obama uh, proposed those, and some of those things, I think, have rubbed people the wrong way over the years, so it wasn't terribly surprising, the outcome of that.
1: Yeah, and in addition to that, we, we've been familiar with Attorney General Holly for a while. He's visited with our members since before he was in office. He was at some of our meetings prior to that, um, talking about some of his work when he was working with the Supreme Court. Um, so we are familiar with Attorney General Holly and also the work he's done while being as Attorney General, mm-hmm. advocating um, in favor of states' rights, uh, advocating against overreach of government, um, you know those are issues that he has stood up for agriculture for, and I think that played a large role in it. It's not just for or against one person or the other, but it was knowing the work that he has done in his time as attorney general that we support and appreciate. Yeah. You know, he's got a great story to tell, but he also has done things to stand up for agriculture. It's mm-hmm. not just a story or or someone new to the block. He actually has worked for agriculture. Um, And those issues that we found interesting, you know, working on the egg case Mm -hmm. or the egg law out in California, uh, standing up against WOTUS, other issues um, are things that we've worked hand in hand with the attorney general's office and appreciate his support on. And I think that played a large role in it, too. Um, So obviously, you're seeing a lot from us and us pushing a lot of stuff, both on social media um, and out there around the community. We were able to do a a short tour with Attorney General Holly earlier. Um, We've been at a lot of events with him, um, supporting his candidacy to see And that's what we do when we get behind a candidate. Um, but I do think our members are energized for this race and, and paying close attention to it because it plays such a large role nationally. Yeah. And
0: I'd actually just was looking a few minutes ago, right before we came on here and saw that out of the last eight polls that have come out in this race, um, Holly has led in seven of them. And the other one was tied. And that was uh, the, one of the older polls in that run. So things look like they're trending in the right direction there. It's still very tight and it probably will remain tight over the next two weeks. But I um, feel like things are, are looking pretty decent at this point.
1: Yeah, I was just having a conversation myself with somebody and I, I would just caution against being too comfortable because we sure. we all know what polling data was showing leading into the last election. Yeah. Um, and, and sometimes I don't know that polls pick up on what those undercurrents are. Mm-hmm. So I think it's going to be important for every person to get out and vote, to talk to their friends about why they're in favor of what position. Positions they are because traditional polling may not be what it used to be it showed itself not to be in 2016 and I'm not sure um, that we should feel all that comfortable because (laughs) of what one poll or another says now Uh, we all
0: have to keep doing our work sure yeah so the other um, statewide uh, person on the ballot is the auditors race and that's one hasn't gotten much attention at all really this year and a lot of people frankly, don't even know that that's on the ballot this year. Um, it's kind of an interesting one because it's the only other statewide elected Democrat on the ballot. And actually, uh, N- Nicole Galloway, who is the current auditor and who is now running for a full term, was not elected. She was appointed to that position. Appointed at- by Governor Nixon. Mm-hmm. After Tom Schweik uh, passed away, he was, she was appointed to fill out the rest of his term, and now she's running for her first full term. Um, her opponent, Sandra McDow- McDowell. Um, is a Republican that kind of came out of nowhere. A lot of people had never even heard of her um, leading into that primary, but she was able to win a four-way primary. Um, that one Farm Bureau hasn't taken a position on because we don't typically get involved in auditors' races, but it does hold some interesting um, questions. or it, it's, it's interesting for the long term because I think a lot of people see um, uh, Nicole Galloway as maybe the potential future of the party, uh, the Democratic Party statewide and she um, is in her 30s, you know, yep. young does a, a pretty solid job uh, as auditor. She's um, had a lot of good results, I think that absolutely are making people pay attention. So you know that one. Um, again, it's not really on people's radar that much, but yeah. could be interesting to see what happens.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Farm Bureau hasn't taken a position and doesn't. Um, but as you said, uh, when you're serving as auditor, there's not a lot of bad you can do. Right. You, you know, you're working against nice fraud and abuse yeah. of the state. It's a great position to be in, a- and for all accounts, um, Auditor Galloway's done a good job of that. Mm-hmm. Um, like you said, Miss um, McDowell came out of a crowded primary, um, and we'll see how much news that race is able to make. You know, a lot of people would say, and I would even probably guess that this race probably follows the top of the ticket. Yeah. You know, if the top of the ticket goes one way, it's going to be hard to see, for me to imagine that next race going differently. Mm-hmm. Um, just like we saw with Trump and down ticket from that, there wasn't a lot of change. It leads to a wave one way or the other. I think here in the state we'll probably see something similar with if that top of the ticket goes one way, it probably kind of falls down at least to that next position. Yeah. You know, when you get into local races, as politics become a little more local, people know the people a little more. But I think in this close of a race, it's hard for that auditor race to make itself stand out. I know that from personal experience. It's really tough for that race
0: to make itself stand out and grab people's attention. That's for sure. Well, we'll move on to some of the uh, other races that are a little more localized, since those are the only two statewide um, candidates, at least, that are on the ballot. We have a bunch of statewide issues that are on the ballot as well. But we actually have some graphics for you. Yeah, Yeah. our our graphics budget was huge this time, as you can see. I, I did a nice taping job. Um, but uh, we're also going to put these in our show notes as well. If you're listening to this, we're going to have this as part of our podcast um, this week, Digging In, which you can um, subscribe to on Google Play or the iTunes Store or listen to it on SoundCloud, but we're going to try to put some links into this um, in our show notes as well. But uh, here's our current congressional map. And we have Missouri has eight districts, Congressional House of Representatives districts, and Missouri Farm Bureau has endorsed six candidates uh, in those races. So we'll just run through those real quickly. Um, Get my fancy pointer as well so you can see where we're talking about if you're watching on video. So the second district is the first one that we'll uh, mention. That is right around the city of St. Louis. It's most of St. Louis County um, and a little bit of Jefferson County, and that is uh, currently held by Congresswoman Ann Wagner, and she's running for her. Uh, let's see, I think it's her fourth term now. She was first elected in 2012, mm-hmm. and um, this is probably her toughest reelection that she's had so far because the national climate has been um, changing a little bit. And she, out of all of the um, currently serving Republican members of the Missouri of the House of Representatives from Missouri. Um, has the most narrow district as far as the partisan leanings. So that one is probably the most interesting race to watch.
1: Yeah. Oh, I think um, from just watching the primary, I thought it was interesting to see in this race. Obviously, the politics of that area were different. You had St. Louis County executive races and things like that. But in this area, you actually saw an overwhelming number of Democrat primary voters Mm -hmm. compared to Republican primary voters. Now, I don't know intimately. There could have been something local that helped spur that, um, but just seeing that it drew your attention to say, okay, is this district changing the way they're voting? We'll mm-hmm. see how it goes. So I, I think uh, Congresswoman Wagner's, uh, you know, in a race, she knows that she is obviously she has the power of the incumbency, the name recognition, and all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but it'll be interesting to see if there is some sort of a blue wave. Um, this would probably be one of those those races that would be
0: up for grabs. I would say. And and she has always been a good friend of Farm Bureau and, Absolutely. and Missouri farmers. She. Uh, doesn't have that many farms in her district since it is um, fairly suburban. Um, But she is the first, she's very proud to point out she was the first member Uh, of the House from that district uh, to vote for a farm bill in, I think, 30 years. Um, And she's uh, been always there when we came to talk to her and ask uh, for her support on issues.
1: Yeah, been a great friend of ours when we're talking about trade issues or others. She's come here and visited with us firsthand um, and knows how important agriculture is to the state of Missouri and to the country as a whole. Um, So she's been a great friend. I think it is great to point out that in these local congressional races, it is just those members from that area that weigh in on those decisions. Mm -hmm. Um, So they do the same type of process I talked about earlier, where they bring in both candidates or multiple candidates. They have a questionnaire process, and they talk through who they're going to endorse in these. But it is a local decision, again, not Farm Bureau as a whole, but those local members making a decision on who they hope to have represent them. Um, and they they once again um, selected Congresswoman Wagner for this position. So
0: Yeah. And uh, move on to the uh, third district, which is just outside of St. Louis County. Um, it wraps around the city of St. Louis, like a sea, and goes all the way out to uh, Miller and Camden counties in central Missouri and uh, Callaway Cole. Us, right here, we're in the third district right now, and that is currently held by Blaine meyer and he's running for re election. Um, our uh, members also endorse him yeah. uh, as they have every race that he's been in. Um, the fourth district is uh, the one that goes from all the way in Mexico and Moberly all the way through Columbia and down to Fort Leonardwood, and over to the west, uh, western border with Kansas. And that's held by Congresswoman Vicki Hartzler. Yeah. Um, we also have, uh, our members endorsed her for re-election. They have endorsed her every time, including her first election, which was when she beat a 34-year incumbent. Uh, that was a, a monumental change there, but she's yeah. been re-elected handily every time. Seems like she has a little bit more of a race this time, but still not really projected to be difficult.
1: Yeah, I'd say the majority of the House races in Missouri or congressional races are pretty safe seats, as you said. Um, The power of the incumbency being what it is um, and just the reality of these districts,
0: uh, we would assume most of these incumbents will win handily, I would assume. Yeah, and uh, Congressman Luckemeyer has been um, very friendly to farmers, and he's a farmer himself and Congresswoman Hartzler as well, and she used to be a Cass County Farm Bureau president, so she has deep roots in our uh, organization. Yeah, great and friends when they were in the in the Missouri capital, as mm-hmm. well as serving in Washington as well. And actually, her husband used to be the Young Farm and Ranchers Chairman uh, here in Missouri. Uh, the uh, let's see, the sixth district, which is all across northern Missouri, um, everything basically most of the things north of the Missouri River, all the way up to Iowa, that's held by Congressman Sam Graves, a long-term friend of Farm Bureau. Uh, we our members have endorsed him handily; uh, they uh, unanimously endorsed each of these candidates, I believe. Um, for re-election. He um, uh, has a lot of seniority now because he's the dean of the delegation. He's been there longer than any of the other Republican members, at least, and um, is... uh, very heavily involved in transportation issues as well. Oh, yeah, a leader on all things transportation, a good close friend of Farm Bureau
1: being from the same area as our as our Farm Bureau president is. Uh, we usually have a pretty good time when we con- when we contact Congressman Graves. Mm-hmm. Uh, he does a great job uh, working with our members when we come to the Capitol. He usually helps set up nighttime tours, and we really enjoy our time to work with him as well as the, the role that he plays in Congress being uh, a definite player in that area, but he's always been a good friend of ours as well.
0: Sure. And then the last two that our members have endorsed are the 7th District, which is down in Southwest Missouri and uh, uh, surrounding Springfield and Branson and Joplin. And then all of Southeast Missouri, the 8th District, that is Congressman uh, Jason Smith's district. And the 7th District is Congressman Billy Long's district. Uh, again, our members have endorsed both of them for re-election. They've both been very solid, report, um, very solid Farm Bureau supporters. Um, and they are very in tune with the people in their districts. I feel like they pay really close attention to what the farmers are are involved in uh, in the 7th and 8th districts.
1: Yeah, both do a great job of working with us with their farm tours, um, involving our members, being at our annual meetings, those kind of things. Been great friends of Farm Bureau um, and probably pretty easy decisions for our members to continue to support them. Have for years and still do in these
0: races, so we hope to see them be successful again. Great, all right, we're gonna move on to the next one, which is um, the State Senate seats that are up for election this year. And um, we have a number of seats that our members have endorsed, and we won't spend terribly much time on these, but we'll run through them quickly. Um, Starting in the outskirts of St. Louis and St. Charles County, uh, the second district, we've endorsed Dr. Bob Onder. Yeah, Senator Onder's been a good friend of Farm Bureau in the in the Missouri Senate. Um,
1: been a good person to work with in the Senate, and, and glad to see our members endorse him for his reelection campaign. He's actually up for a possible leadership position um, in the ne- in the next Missouri Senate. So uh, all things look hopeful for him. But we look uh, we uh, we look to support him in this November election. Great.
0: And then the sixth district, which is where we sit right here, in uh, Central Missouri, goes um, over to Gasconade County and. Um, through the, the state capitol here in Jeff City. And uh, our members endorse Mike Bernsketter there?
1: Yes, uh, former representative or still representative, but running for Senate, Mike, Mike Bernsketter. Uh, local here to Cole County, familiar with Farm Bureau, worked well with us. He did serve on the Ag Committee there for a while. Um, been a good friend of mine in the Capitol, um, always on the right side of issues. And again, we will be supporting him. Another one of those districts where we expect to see, a, you know, but he's filling the role of Majority Floor Leader Mike Kehoe. Mm-hmm. So it's a big shoes to fill, but we look to hope to see a, a new Senator in, in Mike Bernsketter mm-hmm. uh, come
0: November. Great. And then the 10th district, which is uh, just on the north side of this, uh, uh, the district that Mr. Burns is ringing in, And that is currently held by Jeannie Riddle, Mm -hmm. and she was endorsed for re-election there, too.
1: Yeah, uh, Senator Riddle running for re-election. Hope to see her be re-elected. Been a great friend, um, active in her committees. Um, Been an easy person to work with in the Capitol and always on the right side, advocating for rural broadband and other issues that matter to us as as we've been in the Capitol. All things agriculture and those things. She's been easy to
0: work with, and we we look forward to working with her again. Great. Uh, In the 12th District, up here, the entire northwest corner of the state, um, that is currently held by, by Dan Hegeman. Yes. And uh, we've endorsed him again for his re-election.
1: Yeah, Senator Hegeman, another one of those great senators running for re-election, um, former Farm Bureau leader. Mm-hmm. I believe he was Andrew County president. So uh, very familiar with Farm Bureau, understands our process, respects the things that we work for, working for agriculture in all parts of his district. So I uh, look forward to working with him again
0: um, and expect to see him return come January. Great. in the 16th district, which is kind of... Um, through the south central part of the state. And that is um, a, an open seat. But it is. we've endorsed Justin Brown for that seat.
1: Yes, um, endorsed Justin Brown, who um, actually was a county president in his district. Um, running to fill the seat that was formerly held by his father, Dr. Dan Brown. Um, so we are supporting uh, Justin Brown in that race. He's been a good friend of agriculture, worked closely with the Cattlemen and Missouri Farm Bureau, um, and, and look to see him fill those seats. He's got big shoes to fill again, um, but seems to be hitting the road well, uh, campaigning hard, and we look to see him have a victory
0: in November. So we're looking Great. out for him um district 18 which is the other corner the northeast corner of the state a pretty large district up there um that is uh, we have endorsed Cindy O'Loughlin in that in that race
1: yes that is correct um miss O'Loughlin, uh won out of a crowded primary mm-hmm. um had a very tough uh, primary um congratulations to her on winning that our members from that area shortly after the primary got together um and decided to endorse uh Cindy O'Laughlin in her um general election bid um, look forward to working with her she has a strong business background understands the district she's worked with Farm Bureau for years um, so we know we'll have a friend there obviously she's filling the role of former chairman of the of the Ag Committee and Senator Brian Munzlinger um, so she's another one of those that um, been been filled will be filling the role of a true Ag advocate mm-hmm. um, and expect her to step right in uh, look forward to working
0: with her in the Senate um, should she be uh, successful in November which we have no reason to think she won't yep absolutely um, then down in the southwest corner of the state uh, Eric Burleson is uh, running in the 20th district, and that is uh, everything in Christian County and then the the part of Greene County that surrounds Springfield, but not the actual center, central city of Springfield. Um, so Eric Burleson was endorsed in the 20th district. Yeah, that's correct. Uh, former state representative, been working with the county, I believe, they're um,
1: coming back to the state government. Um, our members from that area overwhelmingly voted to to, to support Mr. Bur- uh, Burleson and look forward to working with him in the Capitol. Yeah, so Great. it's been a busy
0: season, but uh, a lot of lot of members out there. No kidding. Uh, then the 22nd district is Paul Whelan, and that is right here, that is the uh, northern part of Jefferson County. Uh, kind of a little bit of a purple area. Uh, it's a battleground. In the state,
1: Yes, this is one of those areas, um, S- Senator Whelan running for re-election, he's been a friend of Farm Bureau in the Capitol, uh, been someone that's been good to work with and, and reliable. Our members are very active in that area and looking to support him. Uh, but this is one of those areas where you see being just outside of St. Louis, where you have heard talk that this could be a tough race. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've been supportive of him, working to support his candidacy. Um but just statewide speaking, this is one of those races that you expect. If there is a large turnout one way or the other, this could be one of those seats that could be up for grabs. But we are supporting uh, Senator Wheland in his reelection. Look forward to working with him again.
0: Great. And then his neighbor just to the west, uh, the 26th District, which is mostly Franklin County and some of I believe that's, uh, yeah, that's St. Louis County, the western part of St. Louis County. Um, That is uh, Dave Schatz. Yes. endorsed him as well.
1: Yeah, Senator Schatz, another senator running for re-election, been a leader in in transportation issues. He helped guide um, our transportation, Prop D, that will be on the ballot this year. A strong advocate for that, uh, advocate for property rights and others. Um, Been good to work with. Um, A strong voice in the Senate, another one of those that could be possibly up for a leadership position Mm -hmm. come this time. Um, Obviously running for re-election, but we expect to see him back in the Capitol and look forward to working with him again.
0: Awesome. Uh, Then the the last three of them, we have Senator Sandy Crawford in the 28th District here in southwest Missouri, and that is uh, Governor Parsons' former district. Um, She's been uh, holding that since he left to be lieutenant governor and is uh, now running for re-election there. Yeah, Senator Crawford won in a
1: special election. So she was, uh, Senator Parson at the time, now Governor Parson was halfway through his term. So she won in a special election and is now running to hold that seat again. Mm-hmm. Um, looks to be doing good, uh, has done a great job in the Senate. Prior to that was a great friend of agriculture um, in the House. Um, we, we see no reason. She's been a great friend of agriculture, overwhelmingly supporting her district, um, and look forward to continuing to work with her. Um, and. and and to have her as a new leader in agriculture conversations in the Senate. So, Sure.
0: The uh, 30th district, which is that central part of Springfield, that, Uh, We talked about the part around it, but the actual center of the the city of Springfield is um, the 30th district. And we've endorsed Lincoln Huff in that race.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Another former state representative running into the Springfield area. Uh, Been a good friend of Farm Bureau there. Um, His county Farm Bureau knows him well, supports him strongly, overwhelmingly supported him in this race. Um, This is another one of those kind of urban areas. Springfield's more urban than people like to yeah. believe sometimes. Um, but this could be one of those races and is, is a race that people are watching. We do expect Lincoln to win, and we're supporting him, him and his candidacy. Uh, look forward to seeing him come to the Senate. But just in in reality, you know, this is one of those kind of more urban centers where if the state were turning in any direction, this would be kind of one of those bellwethers yeah. to show any
0: any trends in that direction. Sure. Then the last one that we'll touch on is uh, probably, well, maybe the most hotly contested of all of these, actually, which is the 34th district, and that is right up here in uh, Buchanan and Platte Counties. That's the St. Joseph area and then North Kansas City. And uh, really tough race there between Tony Lukemeyer, who's the Republican candidate, and Martin T. Rucker, who's the Democrat candidate, who was a star tight end for the Missouri Tigers just a few years ago and then went on to play with the Cleveland Browns, I think, right? Is that who he played for? And some with Kansas City, I believe. Oh, I think uh, he ended his career in Kansas City. Lost track, I guess, yeah. after that. Um, he was a heck of a player but uh is he going to win in the race (laughs)
1: yeah it's a hotly contested race this is one of those uh turf wars as well where you've got um that Buchanan County versus Platt County who holds the seat I do think it probably weighs in that um Mr. Lutemeyer who we are supporting in this race does have the support of his primary opponent Mm -hmm. who was from Buchanan County so I do think that probably uh plays a role in this, Mm -hmm. that we see that, um, you know, some of that push from Buchanan County saying, hey, this guy can support us too. Um, It's been held by um, Senator Schaff for a while, uh, who has been a Republican, a strong voice in the Senate. Um, And so it'll be interesting to see how this comes out. My gut would tell me that it'll hold as a Republican seat and Mr. Luke will win, Um, but you never know. Another Another one of those races where if things are changing, if the color of the state are, or if there's a Intensity gap between one side or the other. This could be one of those that we could see move for sure.
0: Yeah, definitely. And you know, when you add in that, you know, a bit of a celebrity factor, mm-hmm. it yeah, cuts not cuts to a be undersold. Line sometimes. For sure. Um, all right, we uh, we have covered the state senate. Oh, a lot of people there. Man, <laughs> we made it through all of them. So uh, we are going to. Flip the page now to move to the ballot initiatives. Yeah, real quick
1: before we do, I think you everybody should have also received our members a, a copy of our magazine that includes our Friend of Agriculture Awards. Uh, Missouri Farm Bureau doesn't take positions in Missouri house races, but I do think it's good to point out, and you can find it um, in our magazine as well as other publications, those... State representatives who were incumbents That have received the Friend of Agriculture Award We gave that out to I believe 62 state representatives In lieu of an endorsement That's what we give to state reps who have voted in favor Of Missouri Farm Bureau policies As well as have an established relationship With our members in their area mm-hmm. So I do want to point out those state reps We have a good host of state reps that are running For re-election who we've been great friends with uh, Please take a look at those Support them in their local races because it's important That we keep them around as well mm-hmm. uh, uh, don't want to undersell. Those people have good, been good friends of ours, advocates for agriculture issues, uh, you know, spoken out in favor of the issues that we have, as well as worked good with our local Farm bureaus. So support your friends of agriculture uh, for Missouri Farm Bureau and continue to have strong, rural voices in the Capitol.
0: Yeah. yeah, and that's something I think some people don't remember from civics class sometimes is that every member of the House of Representatives is up for election every two years. Yeah. So that entire body is up for election this year. Um, so your your local race there matters. There's just so many of them. We don't have time to talk about them all. <laughs> yeah, no
1: doubt. With 163, we can't get through all of them. But do support those Friends of Agriculture yeah. as we get into this
0: next. We want to see them back in the Capitol continue to advocate for the issues that we care about. Absolutely. And you mentioned the the magazine, which you have a, a paper copy of the printed uh, version of that 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 should be hitting your mailboxes within the next couple of days uh, we sent it to the printer last week and they i believe dropped in the mail a couple of days ago so should yep. be getting uh, to your mailbox within the next couple of days so do take a look at that when it does arrive yep. and everybody who's a member of missouri farm bureau will receive a copy of that as you do every three months yep. um so moving on to these uh, constitutional amendments we have four of them on the ballot this year um we're only really going to dig into uh, to number one uh, the most. We'll mention the others. You
1: mean but, we don't get to do them
0: all? <laughs> come on, please. Hey, if you really want to. If you want to dissect the difference between uh, number two and number three, you're more no than welcome to two, but, uh So the big one, this is something that Farm Bureau has been pretty actively involved in, is... Amendment 1, which is known by the title Clean Missouri. Unfortunately. That's, yeah, it's... that is what its proponents have, have named it. It's a bit of um, a marketing coup, to get yeah. called that, um, because when you really dig into it, we've started to recognize some of the implications of the language that's in it, and it really it looks good on its face. I mean, honestly, it does. If you just step in the ballot or in the voting booth and don't know anything about it until the moment you look at it, you'll probably read the summary and be like, huh. Sounds very good to me.
1: Yeah. You know, if you read the top five or six bullet points, it sounds like a great idea. It's limiting campaign contributions. It's making uh, public meetings open. It is changing limits between being an elected official and and going to work as a lobbyist in the Capitol. All of these seems like uh, issues that are no brainers. Yeah. Let's Mm -hmm. clean up government. I get that. The problem is that most of these changes are minimal at best, um, all to really, in my opinion, hide the one true thing it wants to do, which is change the redistricting process in the state of Missouri. You know, when it looks at campaign contributions, it limits them, but really for a state senator, it only lowers them by about a hundred dollars. Um, and then it allows for adjustments over time. So within just a few years, they would be right back where they are now.
0: And so the way that that's done, it makes it look like fairly blatant to me that was done to gain a, talking point. Yeah, that absolutely. wasn't done for actual true reform.
1: And the other one is about making government more open. It talks about making uh, all government information open to the public. Sounds like a great idea. Most the majority of government information already is open to the public. Mm-hmm. The the majority of what is not is personal and private information that doesn't need to be made public for the safety of our citizens. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, to require all of that information to be made public uh, sounds like a great idea. But again, one of those yeah, things. When you look into the real details, in the there's, details, there's not, there's not so much. A looking for a problem on that. Yeah.
0: But the real issue, like you mentioned, that has really brought Missouri Farm Bureau to oppose the uh, Amendment 1 to the Constitution is that redistricting issue. Yeah, Can you describe a little of what, how that would work and and what the reason is for it?
1: I'll do the best I can and and, then try to summarize at the same time, but it would establish a new state demographer. There's been a demographer, but this would give that demographer a new role, and that is to redraw the districts every time there's a reapportionment after a census. And this demographer would be chosen by the state auditor and then agreed to by the uh, Missouri uh, Senate leadership of both parties. And so it sounds like that's a great idea. Well, this auditor could give three that are all have one point of view so that nobody would really agree to them. And then it goes to a random lottery of those candidates. Mm-hmm. So the basically the auditor gets to choose who this demographer is, and then the demographer is charged with drawing all districts to be competitive. Mm-hmm. Now, currently, the districts have to be contiguous. They have to contain communities of interest. Districts have to kind of make sense on their own. Mm-hmm. You know, the Southeast Missouri district has to be Southeast Missouri, that kind of thing. Um, this oh, supersedes those current um, issues and says competitiveness is the most important pro- part of this process. Okay. And they define competitive by eliminating what they call wasted votes. And a wasted vote is any vote above 50 percent necessary to win or for the losing candidate, so you mm-hmm. try to make sure that every district ends up forty-nine point five to fifty point one. Mm-hmm. Um, so they or fifty point five. Sorry, <laughs> math math that. lives no good. There's always a third party yeah. in there. <laughs> but, but yes, well, shouldn't shouldn't sell that out because I think that's important in this too. It is. Um, but, but it says all districts have to be made competitive. Well, I just looked at a map. You probably saw the same one in an email earlier showing the state of Missouri as red versus blue. The blues are on the state lines. They're where the urban centers are. They're in Columbia, mm-hmm. some in Springfield. And that's just the fact of the state. I'm not advocating for one party or the other, but that's just the fact of the way Missouri has voted over the last couple of elections. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean that's the way Missouri always will vote. You and I both are old enough to know that's not the way Missouri always... Always has voted, right? Um, so, so there is some flaw in assuming because you voted one way, you're always going to vote that way. But it says that the demographer has to, based on the last three elections, draw competitive districts for all Missouri uh, campaigns. Mm-hmm. And so that's important to say this isn't for our congressional races or the U.S. Senate, obviously, who represents the whole state, but for U.S. or for Missouri Senate and Missouri house races, they all have would be forced to be drawn competitive. Above what your community thinks and above uh, any other measure, they have to be made competitive. Our fear as Missouri Farm Bureau is in order to do so, in order to measure out what have traditionally been blue and traditionally been red areas, they're going to have to dip into those urban centers and then draw pie-shaped or ribbon-shaped, however you want to say, to get enough traditional blue votes to line out with traditional red votes. Um, And so that's where we think it will really dilute rural voices. Mm -hmm. Now, because of population... Rural Missouri has less representation in the Missouri capital already. Mm-hmm. That's just the facts. We're not ex- we're not asking for over representation, but we want to ensure that those rural seats can be represented by rural voices. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, by by drawing these ribbon shapes or pie shaped pieces, um, we think we're going to dilute that. And I honestly, I think it dilutes both ways. Mm-hmm. I think those people that are from the inner cities should be uh, a little bit concerned by this as well, because a large geographical area of their district is gonna be from not what they would consider to be their yeah. community.
0: Well, and that's uh, one of the biggest concerns no. with it and is how would you, if you were a representative or a senator, how would you possibly represent a district that, you know, I, I flipped back to the map here to show a little bit of what we're talking about. So if you had to have a 50-50 district, you may start the district down in urban St. Louis and come all the way out here uh, to some of the more rural counties and then back in to get that even balance. If you were representing that district, how on earth would you know how to vote? Because half your, well, say a third of your members of your constituents would be in favor of very urban interests. Maybe a third would be suburban and a third would be rural. Which way would you cast your vote in order to be representative of your district? Mm-hmm. It's almost impossible.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's the biggest, not the biggest thing. I worry about who represents these, but I also worry about how do you represent them, just like you're mm-hmm. saying. Um, and just like that, municipalities, uh, school districts, how would you represent 50 different school districts, but you only have partial of each one. Yeah. Um, so it would be very difficult, very difficult. But the biggest thing is we have always been able to know who our members are. We've yeah. had personal relationships with them. It's right that the rep or that the senator from Northeast Missouri knows Northeast Missouri. And the best way to do that is by electing people from those regions that are representative yeah. of those regions. We all know these districts change every time redistricting happens. Every 10 years, there's people. People who feel like, oh, we wish the line had been here or there. But to supersede the voice, the reasonable voice of a region by having to be some arbitrary competitiveness just doesn't seem right. And I think it has a lot more negative implications than the possible positives. I'll be honest, this is backed by... Um, left-wing leaning groups Mm -hmm. uh, that don't agree with Farm Bureau policies. That's the only reason I'm sharing that. It's not BJ being partisan. It's sharing the truth of who's backing this. They don't agree with the positions that we typically take in the Capitol. Um, And so I think that they think they'll win several seats from this. I think the political reality is there may be one or two, maybe three, A half dozen at most seats change, Mm -hmm. Um, but I think they think that's more important than having local voices representing local people,
0: and we adamantly disagree with that. And and that's actually uh, one of the concerns I really have with it is when you split up districts, what this would really do is force gerrymandering. Oh, yeah. It It would constitutionally mandate. Extreme gerrymandering. It some of some it. of the sample maps that we've seen
1: from this, and we can share those on our Facebook page, show some pretty crazy gerrymandered yeah. districts. It goes from this, the county of Boone having one senator to having five different senators mm-hmm. because they have to dip into there to get some of those more urban votes, and balance. they force that gerrymandering. You know, the the other side is saying gerrymandering's bad. Well, this is gerrymandering for Stands. gerrymandering's sake. Yeah,
0: uh, and and that's I think one of my biggest. Concerns there is that with massive gerrymandering, one of the biggest problems it's been shown by scientific research a lot is then uh, say if you did split Boone County up into five different districts, the constituents don't even know who their oh, yeah. senator is. They, they don't realize they don't know who their representative is. And today, you know, it's Caleb Rodden. You know, you know if you live in a county or you live in a city. It, they're not split up very often, yeah. and very uh, often you know who your representation is. And there's actually been, like I mentioned, studies showing that member uh, constituents who live in places like that that are split up contact their um, their representatives less often. Yeah. They call their office less. They write less mail, yeah. and they're just less civically engaged because they just frankly don't even know who it is because mm-hmm. it's so convoluted.
1: Yeah, and the and the other thing is the current uh, redistricting process in the state of Missouri really is. Um, it's a guiding force for other states. Other yeah. states are trying to adopt the process that we use. Um, they see that we have a bipartisan group that comes together to work on these maps, and they want to have a process like that to try to get some of the politics out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and so I think that's that's worth stating that we have. Uh, A state that other states look to uh, in this process, and there's no reason to throw it out for partisan ideas. The other thing um, that you were talking about is dividing counties. The current process doesn't divide counties or cities even unless it's absolutely necessary in order to achieve
0: that. that. Looking at these maps...
1: There's mostly full-block counties yeah. in these districts,
0: and it's pretty clear who who represents
1: you. Yeah, and in the new maps, you will not see that just because mm-hmm. it's not possible to achieve that competitiveness. And I don't think it should be undersold. This competitiveness also assumes that you always vote party lines. You never vote for a third party. It alienates the third parties. It assumes that I'm always going to vote for the same party every time, mm-hmm. although we all know that out there it's not the case. Yeah. Um, and that over time, people tend to change. Yeah. You know, as well, parties
0: represent their districts better and worse. Absolutely. And like you say, say, for instance, two th- two years ago when uh, President Trump won by 19 points in Missouri, you and I both know yeah. not all those Missouri's not were, a 19-point state. Yeah, they no. were not Republican voters every time. But that would actually factor into now who your representatives are and what your district yeah. looks like. Um, and I think Senator Talent, who spoke with, Blake, spoke with Blake Hurst on our podcast last week about this, because Senator Talent is opposing this, uh, this plan— I think one of the best points he made is that he believes that plan would actually be unconstitutional under the federal constitution because it would draw maps for the benefit of two parties. Mm-hmm. Um, it would it would completely, and read the text of it, it cuts out any other party. It's just take the top two, and that's all you look at. Okay. And that um, directly disadvantages any third party or independent candidates, and that's really not um not fair under the the federal constitution. No, the sure. other thing we'll mention real quick and move on is um, there have been some members who of the urban communities, the African American community, especially in St. Louis, there have been a number of of elected leaders who have come out opposed to this, for mainly the same reasons we've been saying we're yep. opposed to it. It would um, dilute their representation. Yep in those majority-minority districts.
1: Yeah, that's absolutely, and and they echo our concerns the same way, that we want to see as many rural representatives out there. They want to see urban representatives just the same, Um, and so I think it's interesting to see that both sides share the same concerns um,
0: with one given issue. And we will move to the next two, which I know you're excited about. Uh, (laughs) Amendment 2 and Amendment 3 on the ballot are both medical marijuana initiatives. Mm -hmm. And um, we'll also mention on the uh, propositions that uh, we have a, a, a third issue on the ballot that is medical marijuana legalization. Why are so many on the ballot this year, and what's the difference between them?
1: Um, the main difference between them is the level of the taxation and where the taxation is spent. Um, I won't claim to be an expert on any given one of the measures, but it's about the level of taxation for, um, towards the sale of medical marijuana. All basically um, allow the sale of medical, medical marijuana for different um, end of life and terminal illnesses, that kind of thing. Um, As you know, Farm Bureau has taken the position opposed to these um, because of concerns of adding um, additional drug use. You know, we have policy that says that we see problems with drug abuse. Um, I think we see probably some fears of that continuing. We would rather see less drugs available than that. I know that there's a lot of sensitivities to medical marijuana. Um, The main differences are, you know, uh, Amendment 2 imposes a 4% tax on the sale of medical marijuana. Um, and so it uses the funds um, for veterans issues. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so that's kind of its hook mm-hmm. is that it goes to the good for veterans issues um, with a 4% tax, which is a, you know, a, I, I wouldn't know what would be considered a high tax or a low tax uh, in my own. So, um, but so no, we have come out opposed to that. When you look at Amendment Three, Amendment Three has has raised concerns with several yeah, that's groups. That's probably the most troubling one yeah, of the three. I, I think that's fair to say. We've had we've seen several groups come out opposed, um, st- more strongly opposed to Amendment Three than mm-hmm. the rest. I would say, um, because it imposes a fifteen percent tax on the sale of medical marijuana. So obviously that's a pretty high tax, um, and then it also does this for researching, uh, for for health research. Sure. Basically, uh, it sets up a new board. Um, to govern those monies. It also allows that um, board to purchase land uh, to set up their research facilities. Mm -hmm. So um, I would say that at a 15% tax, if medical marijuana were to take off pretty strongly, um, over time they would bring in quite a bit of funds. Um, That board um, is... Uh, compensated very highly in my opinion Um, so there's a lot of issues with amendment three talking about quite a bit of money coming in um, and not going into the state coffers it's going to that board to then govern the funds to spend on research as they see fit including developing their own facilities purchasing land with the powers of eminent domain because they would be an entity of the state Um, so I would say amendment
0: three has the most issues although that we are opposed to And the, the actual language of the amendment um, explicitly names yeah. the what was it the the person who turned in the ballot the, the, the person the who signed the
1: signature for the ballot yeah, yeah, yeah names them as the initial chairman
0: which and he gets to be the chairman of the board and the board is
1: is health healthfully um, compensated and yeah. so um, Although a little fishy, <laughs> <I guess. laughs> it, it seems to uh, to benefit him as well, um, so I would say that Amendment Three probably has the most issues, and I, w- I would pay close attention to the ballot language if I were if I were voting yes on any of them. Right. Yeah. Uh,
0: so, last one on the the constitutional amendments yes. is. The one uh, regarding bingo? Yeah. Um, so uh, Could you tell us more about
1: that? Who can and cannot administer a bingo game is in the Missouri Constitution, believe it or not. I would assume this comes back to some old, uh, you know, gambling laws. So that's probably why it's there, because bingo would be a form of gambling. Um, So this just allows uh, members of an organization... um, They don't have to be a member for more than two years. Currently, they have to be a member for two years in order to administer bingo, um, and this would lighten those restrictions. Mm. Um, You know, set free bingo. What does
0: Missouri uh, Farm Bureau policy say about bingo games?
1: (laughs) Missouri Farm Bureau policy does not have a position on the bingo initiative, so hopefully our members will do their research and choose how they see fit.
0: Wonderful. Mm -hmm. Well... We will uh, flip to the propositions that are on the ballot. There are three, yeah. uh, one of which we already really discussed, which is that Proposition C about medical marijuana. But uh, the first one is Proposition B, and that's relating to raising the minimum wage. Yeah. Um, that's one that in other years may get a lot more attention than this year, just there's so many other things out there. Um, but that is a pretty substantial hike. Yeah, it's,
1: it's right. a it's a big increase. Um, increasing the minimum wage to eight sixty per hour with an eighty five cent increase um, each year until twenty twenty three, where it would reach twelve dollars an hour, mm-hmm. and that's a pretty high minimum wage in my opinion. In a pretty short period. In a pretty short period I, of time, period of time. Yeah. Um, Missouri Farm Bureau uh, adopted policy that's been in our book for a while. Says that we would like for Missouri's minimum wage to stay in line with the federal minimum wage. Um, I think that's because of competitiveness across Mm -hmm. state lines, not having, you know, businesses jump across state lines just because they can get cheaper labor. Um, You know, there's a lot of talk of. As soon as you raise a minimum wage, you also see inflation just immediately follow because the cost of doing business is more. So the cost of goods becomes more. Um, So I think there's a lot of concerns with this kind of thing, although it's not some of those things we talk about a lot. Missouri Farm Bureau is opposed to this minimum wage increase. Um, and, And I think, you know, just a personal... You know, the more and more we see self-checkouts at uh, Walmart or, you know, uh, check yourself out at McDonald's, the more we raise these minimum wage jobs for these entry-level positions, the more of that I believe you're going to see. Yeah,
0: that seems like a lot of people's opinions nationally, yeah. and a lot of these um, laws or initiatives have been passing lately, and uh, this one probably stands a pretty good chance because they uh, they tend to do pretty well when they're put on the ballot, asking, yeah. hey, do you want to make more money? Yeah. Um, people have a tendency to vote yes. Um the Proposition C, as we mentioned, is the, the third medical marijuana position or issue. The last one, though, that we'll get into that. The
1: one thing, I r- okay, real quick, on Prop
0: C, ahead. the thing that's different about Prop C is because it's a proposition, that puts
1: it into state statute. Okay. So rather than being a constitutional amendment that could only be changed by another constitutional change, this actually puts it into statute. Mm-hmm. So if there were problems or adjustments that needed to be made, the Missouri legislature would have the power to do so. Okay. And so that is the one thing I will point out to people out there is although we are opposed to this one as well, the one thing to keep in mind is this is a state statute, mm-hmm. and so our legislature could make changes to it as well we go as they see fit, the problem with putting something into the Constitution is then it's so hard to change.
0: Yeah. Um, And yeah, if it doesn't work out, it's pretty tough to back it it out. Um, So like I say, the the last issue, though, Mm -hmm. is something we spent a ton of time on and are continuing to, and that is Proposition D. Um, It is an issue that has been in our policy book for a long, long time, uh, increasing transportation funding is something that our members have been in favor of for years because it is underfunded uh, across Missouri. But this proposal um, has some interesting quirks to it, the way that it would work. Uh, Why don't you walk us through how that will work?
1: Yeah, you know, you said we've been... uh Advocating for transportation funding for a while, since I've been working in this position in the capital, uh, lobbying for Farm Bureau policies, it's been a priority of ours to get additional funding for transportation. Uh, when we visit with MODOT officials and, and highway commissioners around the state, members of ours, uh, friends of ours, they talk about how MODOT is underfunded and they need more money to be able to up to keep the roads up. In recent years, MoDOTs has even dipped into their own reserve fund. This was their rainy day fund in case of um, catastrophic break failures. uh, They've dipped into those funds just to be able to continue the maintenance of the roads. You know, when you drive to work, you see a lot of construction still going on. What you don't realize is slowly but surely, MoDOT has been dipping into the reserve funds just to keep the roads manageable. The truth is their income is coming down. Um, And a lot of that's because our our vehicles are more fuel efficient than they used to be. Mm -hmm. But the other thing is it's been over 20 years since we last increased our fuel tax the fuel tax is currently the funding mechanism for both the highway patrol and for roads and bridges in the state and it's been over 20 years since we've increased that in that 20 years that 17 cents which is our current fuel tax has lost over 60 percent of its purchasing power because inflation just eats
0: up your costs that's exactly right the Um, the cost of of making a road or repairing a bridge is Quite a bit larger today than it was in 1996.
1: The cost of a Happy Meal is more than it is in 1996, if they Mm -hmm. still have those. You know, (laughs) um, I don't buy a lot of them, but they're more than they were in 96. Um, The cost of everything is more than it was then, and doing our roads and bridges work is no different. Mm -hmm. And that's something I think that everybody has to keep in mind is the cost of life has gone up, and so has for MoDOT. So they're able to do less with what they were currently given. The fuel tax at 17 cents is the low is the 49th lowest in the nation. Yeah. Um, so we do stand out when it comes to that. Missouri is a very conservative state, and they take pride in that. Mm-hmm. I take pride in that. Um, but we are the lowest, or one of the lowest, well, and that's and, not always
0: a good thing. And the only one lower is Alaska, and that is because most of theirs is funded by oil money that comes yeah. in um, from the oil exploration, exploration in Alaska. The Arctic Circle. So it's really out of the states that fund uh, their roads the way that you think of. We really have the lowest gas tax, and that's a wonderful thing um, as long as it's providing enough to to get by. Yeah, that's exactly Um, right. The problem really is now the – it's time to pay the piper, You know, inflation has caught up with us to the point where it's no longer enough to actually pay for the stuff we need to do. That's exactly right. So what Prop D does is it
1: phases in, it it does a a two and a half cent fuel tax increase each year for four years for a total of a 10 cent increase. That brings us up to 27 total cents and brings in a, a, a lot of money for transportation. Now what it does is like I said, the fuel tax currently funds the road fund, which funds the highway patrol and MoDOT. Mm -hmm. And so what this does is dedicate funding for the highway patrol. So when you read the ballot language, you're going to see a lot of talk about the highway patrol in there. It dedicates funding for the highway patrol because they are charged with keeping our streets safe. And then the money that has currently been going to the highway patrol will be allevi... Will be freed up. freed up, sorry. Um, for MoDOT to spend on road and bridge construction. So this is a large influx of money for our road and bridge construction to be able to do more across the state. It also, because the road fund currently funds local projects, it injects $120 million extra per year to our local economies as well. Um, the f- road fund, this isn't new, it's not new diversion of diversion of funds. This is all the way the process currently is. But by increasing the size of that pie, all of these funds will receive more. Mm-hmm. And our local municipalities and counties will receive 120 something million more per year mm-hmm. to go to their roads and bridges projects. The great thing about that is that's local decisions being made by local folks. They know what's priority for them. Mm-hmm. Whether it's re graveling a road or resealing over here or replacing a bridge on one of their local roads and local highways. Um, We know that this does a lot of good for the state. Some of the highlights are it could address over 500 bridges Mm -hmm. in a short period of time to be able to to alleviate some of the bridge construction needs. Uh, MoDOT says that we have over a thousand bridges in the state that are rated in poor condition. Um, So the fact is um, poor roads and bridges cost us all. They cost us in car maintenance, they cost us in commute time, um, whether it's congestion in the cities or a bumpy road um, in rural Missouri, those cost us, they cost our equipment. Um, and so Missouri Farm Bureau has been a strong advocate and we will continue to advocate for Prop D. Um, we think it's time, you know, uh, we have to pay our bills. It's, it's No one wants to pay more for anything, I don't either. Um, but we do have to have good roads and bridges out there. The other thing is is it's about safety. Mm-hmm. It really, truly is. BoDOT spends a lot of money improving the safety of our roads out there, putting rumble strips down, putting those divider cables down to keep, you know, crossover accidents are some of the most often to be fatal. By putting those advancements in, rumble strips, you know, some people call them texting strips because sure. they bring your eyes back to the road. We don't, we don't advocate for that, but the truth is that those things save lives. Mm-hmm. And by being able to do more of that out there, this increase in funds will allow MoDOT to increase the safety of our roads it'll in- allow the highway patrol to continue to do the vital work that they do um and so we think it's vital for the
0: state and so some of the the biggest complaints or issues uh, counterpoints people mm-hmm. brought up on this um are i would say the thing we've seen the most on our social media like our facebook posts in support of this are comments like oh well we've seen this one before they uh promised that the lottery money would go to education and then they you know they stole it and." moved it towards some other pet project or something like that. and I think that was a big concern a couple of years ago when this was um, when there was a proposal to to place a sales tax yeah. for uh, road and bridge funding yeah. and it was soundly soundly defeated um, largely I think because people were really worried about those funds being being stolen for other projects. Mm-hmm. So what is it that would make this any different?
1: The great thing about keeping it simple, doing it through a fuel tax and funding the road fund is those funds are constitutionally mandated to go to roads and bridges Mm. and the highway patrol. They keep our roads safe, they keep our roads in in good condition and they're regularly audited mm-hmm. so the state it's auditor never mixed in with the general the, revenue this does, fund, does not right? go to Social gr mm-hmm. it doesn't you know you, you were talking about the lottery fund one of the big complaints is lottery brings in money and then the politicians you know don't have to spend as much on education well with doing it this way they don't have that option this does not go through general revenue and therefore it stays where it's supposed to go yeah. the, some of you know some of those complaints i totally get you, you we've heard them and i understand but the thing is by keeping this simple by not having to change the process we're just adding to the pie there's more to be done and, and to be able to to be able to uh keep um to keep funding our roads and bridges as well as possible. Um, I I understand the fear, but by keeping it constitutionally mandated to go to roads and bridges and and regularly audited, we're making sure that politicians aren't deciding where this funds go, Mm -hmm. but that the people and where it's intended to go is where it will go. So I think that I understand the concern, but I do think that's not valid here. Mm -hmm. Um, And I know a lot of our people want to make sure it's going to roads and bridges and not multimodal. That's what the road fund funds is roads and bridges. And that's why the simplicity of Prop D is what makes it effective. That's mm-hmm. what makes it so easy to advocate for, is although there may be someone to say they, they fear that it'll go somewhere else, it's not able to. Uh, um, and Unless you hear concerns of how our current road fund is used, you're not going to hear concerns of how this new road, because it's the same, yeah. we're just adding
0: to it. Yeah, the current money isn't being stolen to be used for other projects. No. That's, no. It's just, uh, there isn't enough of it. That's exactly um, right. So this would just put more money in that pot. and. And make it, uh, uh, one of the things you mentioned, it would send 30% of the money directly to counties and towns uh, straight off the top without going through uh, the State Department of Transportation. So that would give that direct local control over the money to your local county or your local town.
1: Yeah, and and, and that's, that's the simplicity of it. The beauty is in the simplicity. We're not, none of those that we've talked about are changed. We didn't have to put those in place because they already were, you know. The road fund is pretty well maintained and really pretty well kept up. It was established in a good way. The other beauty of doing it through the road fund is it's a fuel tax. It's a straight user fee. Those people that are using the roads are the ones that are going to be paying for the roads. You know, the Governor Parson was out advocating for this, and we appreciate his support on it. Um, And one of the things he was pointing out is a large percentage or a good percentage of this will be paid by out-of-state folks traveling through the state of Missouri. So even those that are not from here that are using our system will be the ones paying for the system. And that's true how it should be. You know, we've seen weight limits go up in recent years. We all know that our vehicles are make, taking a toll on the road, but they're not paying as much because they're more fuel efficient mm. than they used to be. So we're all going further on a gallon of gas than we were. And we've been asking MoDOT to do more with pennies than they were able. Yeah. And so this just brings them up to the purchasing power that they that they initially had in 96 when we passed that version. So I think it's a good idea. Support safer roads and safer streets um, and get out there and support Prop
0: D. Great. Well, hey, I appreciate you taking the time to walk through all these. Hope your voice held up okay. Yeah. Um, There's a lot of things on the ballot. If any of you you have any questions about any of these issues that we talked about today or any other issues that are on your ballot, uh, feel free to reach out to us here at the Home Office. We'd be happy to talk you through We'd be happy to talk
1: about any of them at any time. And, again, I would just reiterate, these are positions that Farm Bureau members established. This is not um, President Hurst or ourselves choosing to advocate for these things. These are positions that our members took and we advocate for. And we strongly do. Over 130,000 members across the state uh, choosing the positions that we take. And we strongly believe that that we're in the right on these. And we hope for your support on the November
0: ballot. Yep. And do uh, check out our website or our Facebook page. We have a lot of information there as well. And uh, keep an eye out in your mailboxes for the latest edition of Show Me Magazine that will have all of this laid out as well. But we appreciate you all joining us today. And uh, we'll be back uh, probably next week to... Let you have one more update before the election uh, on Tuesday, November 6th. Yep. But please remember to get out there and vote and get your friends and neighbors out there, too. Thanks again for joining us. Thank you.